Are you ready to run your short-term rental business like a super host? If so, look no further than Guesty for Hosts. Guesty for Hosts offers listing management for all three major OTAs, Airbnb, Booking.com, and Verbo. With Guesty for Hosts, you can create a branded direct booking website in minutes. I've been able to hit 61% direct bookings in my business and automate daily tasks such as communication with cleaners and communication with guests. Click the link in the show notes to get an additional $20 off your first month. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live, Let, Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm chilling. Stevie Stacks, how you doing? Uh great man. Just shuffling people around the through units and and drawing up some leases and fun stuff like that, you know, doing some creative lease options for them. But, anyways, that and that's not what we're here to talk about. We got a special guest on this episode 208 of your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, Uber Lyft, Share Economy, short-term rental, long-term rental podcast in the world coming at you from Arlington and fort worth texas who we got steve who we got i'm glad you asked we have a special guest her name is tracy northcott who is tracy northcott well let me pull up her bio and i'll tell you all about her australian tracy northcott of n4 tokyo family stays and tracy northcott consulting is a serial entrepreneur and multipreneur based in tokyo japan she is one of the most successful airbnb hosts in tokyo she also runs software development company uh infor with her family as well as tracy northcott consulting where she helps other hosts discover the true potential of their str or airbnb business maximizing their investment enjoyment and hospitality standards welcome to the show tracy g'day g'day thanks guys it's so good to be here you are the second australian we've had on our show after after someone you might know uh, julie george julie she's my buddy she's she's my girl yeah is Mm -hmm. she your your ride or die yeah well we've actually never met in person which is interesting um because i'm in based in japan and she's based in uh australia but we talk every week um yeah so and she's just she's funny as all get out oh she makes makes me giggle so yeah it's really good it's really good because i'm here in japan and like i have to be very serious japan's a very quiet conservative country and and not everyone's actually hardly anyone speaks english so i'm i try to be sort of very you know quiet and conservative and then i just get on with jules and we just you know we just laugh until our bellies hurt so you unleash the beast yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> so that's interesting now how did you end up in tokyo um so i did japanese at school so uh in australia a lot of people do study Japanese at school. Um, and so I'd been doing it since I was 13 and I, through high school, and then I did some, um, some units at university. Um, and then my brother had already moved here for a diff- completely different reason. And um, he'd started up a company uh, in software development. And, uh, and then I'd been working, in, working for 10 years and in laboratories 
different story, but I've been working um, as a scientist and I just went, no, got to get out of here. So I thought it'd be fun to jump on a plane and come to Tokyo. And that was 22 years ago, guys. 22 years I've been living in Tokyo. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, now you're the first, now you're going to read, we want to learn a lot because first off you're in Tokyo. We've never interviewed anyone in Tokyo and we don't know anything about short-term rentals in Tokyo. How did you get involved in short-term rentals over there? Look, it was completely by accident. So um, I got married, like long story short, I got married, had a baby. And uh, this was in 2010. My baby was, well, like my son was born and we were getting a lot of, like, lot of visitors. Um, and we were just getting, you know, all the, the relatives wanted to come and see the child. And, and also Japan was really high up on the bucket list of a lot of tourists. Um, and Japan was really welcoming in tourists. And so it was just really hard to um, find places for, um, for my family to come and stay. So I thought, well, I'll just rent, you know, I'll rent a second apartment down the road from my house and they can go and stay in there and then I'll rent it out part-time on Airbnb. And uh, it was so busy that I could need, that I needed to start another one and then another one and then another one because it was just crazy. It was crazy. In, that was 2012. So I've been doing short-term rentals for 10 years. Yeah, it's a long time. So, long yeah, time. You, you accidentally started an arbitrage. That's pretty cool. I did. I didn't know it was called arbitrage and it was just like... <laughs> And well, my goal was, my goal was to break even guys. I already had a company, right? I already had a, uh, like a software company that, you know, was paying my bills. So this was really just to, to, you know, as a zero cost, you know, side hustle. Mm. No, no. That's, that's okay. cool. Oh, it's just, it's just interesting to me that a lot of people's side hustles where they just, I just want, I'm cool with breaking even end up, you know, kind of taking over their lives and becoming their number one hustle. You know, I, I just like, I love those stories. Now, what now? Okay, I don't know anything about Japan. What are, the, are there any regulations in Japan and how, did, how does it work over there? Yeah, so 2012, obviously, there was zero regulations. It was wild, wild west. Um, and the you know, there was a massive influx of tourists. So, of course, um, the hotels here are tiny, are stinky, um, or they're very, very large five star. There's not a lot of that middle range hotels. So, there was a huge vacuum in the market. And people like myself went, well, okay, I can fill that space. And so I uh, started renting multiple apartments. Um, it got very big, very quickly. And of course, backlash from the community. And in between 2016 and 2018, the government were um, creating regulations. And then in 2018, the door shut. So um, mm. the, the regulations came in. And, and that cleaned out a lot of people that were kind of doing it badly or only sort of phoning it in. And the people that had really decided that this was going to be a sustainable business were the ones that went and got their licenses. And, and uh, so that, that was us. We chose to um, invest in the time and the paperwork. Oh, my God, the paperwork, <laughs> bureaucracy um, to get. We needed a property management license and then each individual property needs its own license. And for that, you have to get a safety certificate. So um, we had to get a lot of retrofitting done, uh, exit lighting put in, fire alarms, all that stuff. And it needs to be signed off by a company that can give you the safety certificate. So, you know, we invested all of that into our houses and um, and we're still here. So, mm. See, Micah always talks about that. He, sa he says he welcomes regulation because it, it gets rid of the riffraff. Absolutely. And it's bad for the market. Like, you know, when 
you know, when you've got some hosts that are really just phoning it in, there's the, the you know, they've got, you know, crappy apartments or they're not well maintained, it just reflects badly on, on everybody else in the market, you know. Mm. So uh, I think it's good when you've got some sort of standards and also safety. I mean, safety, oh my God, people where they sleep, you've got, there's a care of duty, a duty of care there that you've got to take seriously as a, as a business owner. Now on your apartments, cause um, I'm really interested in this Japanese market now. So there goes Micah. Who was uh, <laughs> your target avatar coming into Japan? Was it like a lot of Americans and like, how often are these people coming? Who's your target avatar and like, how often are they coming? Yeah. So um, my target avatar, well, I decided very early on that it was family. So whatever a family looked like, um, whether it be two mums, two dads, uh, you know, single parents, uh, but a family. So a family has a certain, you know, energy about it. They have a certain needs. And, and so I was accepting families um, of all different shapes, sizes, colours and nationalities. So that's really my demographic as a family. Um, and, and, you know, the name of my business is baked right into that. So it's Tokyo Family Stay. So that's really who uh. I was targeting. Um, you know, if you're a family, I know how to take care of you. If you're a luxury, if you're a luxury guest, I don't really know how to look after luxury guests. It's not really my jam. Um, so I was really very specific on who I was targeting. And but nationality wise, it was it's such a mixed, mixed bag, Micah. It was all over the shop. So um, uh, families from Southeast Asia through to, you know, through to the UK and Europe and America, so many different types. Um, but what you do learn when you when you're hosting people from all over the world is that families do have a certain energy and a rhythm and a and a and a, and a need point um, that that's what I was really targeting. Now, now uh, we always hear things are so small over there in Japan, and, and just looking at, at the the I guess it's the living room that's behind you, which is you yeah. know an image you're projecting of one of your units. It seems, it seems you know from American standards, it seems pretty small. Now, are there is there any <laughs> culture shock when a family of uh, family of four, or family of five arrives and like, wow, this is really small. I mean, how do you handle that? Uh, I I see part of my job as educating my guests on how to thrive, on what to expect. Um, most of the people coming anyway, they're you know they're uh, they've done a lot of research, so they do understand that houses are smaller. Um, but part of my job is really to explain about luggage and trash and 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 what you need to do in the community with houses being so small and so close together. So you know some of my houses, you can reach out the window and touch the next house next door. Mm. That's how close they are. Um, but it's but I. But I, I frame it rather than as like, you must do this and you must do that. I frame it as part of the adventure. And my job is really to show you, it's, my job is not cheap accommodation. I'm not selling you a cheap place to stay. That's not my product. Um, there are plenty of places that will sell you that. My product is understanding what life is like to live as a local. In your, in, in you know, Tokyo is not one big city. It's just thousands and thousands of villages very close together <laughs> and mm -hmm. each each village has its own little uh, in it has its own vibe it has its own energy it has its own like um we don't have a lot of um 
strip malls here. We don't have a lot of brands, like national brands here. Everything is very local. And what I see my job as doing is to show that and to, to really let people experience life as a local in Japan. Mm. And, and you mentioned a, a second ago, trash. I know I, I've always heard yeah. Japan's very clean, right? Very strict Extremely on that. Extremely clean, yeah. So mm-hmm. how, does, how, how does that work to a guest that's not familiar with how they do things over there? Yeah, well, it's it's giving people the right tools for success. So, um, you know, we meet, we're, we're a bit different probably from a lot of other hosts in that we do, I have someone, either myself or one of the team, meet and greet every single guest that comes in. Um, and we show them how to use the air conditioner, how to use all of the implements because it's all in another language. But also I have tools in the house in English and actually I have it in multiple languages, English, Chinese, uh, Korean and Japanese. I have um, the, 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 uh, uh, the book of house, I call it like the, uh, you know, all of the, the, the main instructions. But, but trash is really important and I, I have the bins all organized, they're all labeled. And then on the, on the outside of the, the bin, it's like, well, this is for burnable rubbish. This is what goes in the burnable rubbish. And this is the day that you need to take it out. And this is where you, and I show people exactly where to do it. So, um, or one of my team does. Um, uh, check-ins at midnight, I don't do them, I don't do them anymore. I, I did for, for a lot of years, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I've trained staff to, to uh, I want to train staff to to take me out of a job. So that's my goal now. Nice. nice. Mm. And so I I take it people get, uh, they arrive pretty um, tired over there because it's a long trip to Japan. It's a long trip. And often they're they're arriving in at 5am or they're arriving at midnight. And so, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got the infrastructure to deal with that. And, um, and also I have other supporting businesses that help us. So, I've got a relationship with a transport company. I've got relationships with babysitters. I've got relationships with other with other service providers that really make it a soft landing for people. Um, and again, that's my job. That's my job as a hospitality um, provider. I'm not selling cheap accommodation. I'm selling you a you know a, like a, a really good uh, experience um, in Japan. I love that. I love that. Now, how, and since these places are smaller, how big of a family do you host? You just said like a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, we've had, we've had places. So I don't have this one anymore. My, my favorite house actually was a six bedroom house in, um, in Tokyo. It was a big old house um, and it was two stories. Um, interestingly, in Japan, in most houses, it's only one bathroom. Um, usually there's a couple of toilets, but one main bathroom. So that's a challenge. Um, for It's a culture shock for a lot of people. So um, I, I could host families with, you know, up to 10 people, 10, 12 people, especially if they're multi-generational families. So, you know, you're bringing, you're bringing the, the grandparents with you. Great. I've got a room for them on the ground floor. They don't have to climb stairs. It's all, it's all very easy. So um, I really think about the, the makeup of, of, um, of families. Okay. Now, and then how, how big is your portfolio over in Japan? Like how many units are you hosting? Well, I, well, before the pandemic, um, I, I was all set up for the Olympics. I was all set up for like a massive influx. Um, I had 25 places all fully booked. Um, it was all going to be fabulous. And I was also then bringing on more properties that I was only just going to rent 
for those two months and do a profit share with the owners like the owners were maybe going away for the summer and i was going to put people anyway so that was mm. that was what was before the pandemic so mm. um we're a small business so 25 25 units is or houses is great for us and our size um and we're down to five now we had to really dig in and we really had to decide which houses we wanted to keep and which ones we were going to let go so that that's crazy i was going to ask that to the the pandemic because okay here you know it was it was a pretty hard blow of course you've got a lot of cancellations and this and that and um but to yours it was a double whammy because not only you get a lot of cancellations you were planning on a huge month coming ahead right yeah and then you, not only didn't you make the huge month you made what zero or did how, how what happened well look um I won't lie. It was a it was a horrible horrible time. Um, we I was projecting for 2020, and I'll be transparent. I was projecting a seven figure profit. Um, I, I'd taken and I was fully booked, and it, and obviously we'd taken deposits. Um, I lost in revenue. Um, I lost 1.5 million dollars in revenue in three weeks. Oh my. Yeah. So I sat on the I sat on my floor on my living room floor in the fetal position and turned off my phone because it was just every day bing 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 and it was just horrendous. I wish it on nobody. I do. I wish that on nobody. I've since had therapy. It's all good. Um, <laughs> and you know the other thing was going through the regulations two years before really set me up for. Um, expectations. So mm -hmm. I was 50% booked on Airbnb and 50% booked on my own private system. I knew that when regulations happened, we got zero assistance from Airbnb. And I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid two years beforehand. So I knew that my that Airbnb, I love them. They're a fantastic marketing channel. I do not work for Airbnb. I have my own business and I really had you know I really dug in in those two years I built up my own brand and um and so when when the pandemic hit and everyone was screaming oh my goodness Airbnb it was like I I didn't expect anything different I was like yep that's uh that was what happened to us during the regulations so this is definitely what what was going to happen during the pandemic so I wasn't it wasn't as hard to deal with I think um because we were not we were not expecting Airbnb to help us at all. So um, yeah, so what happened was that, you know, uh, we lost all that revenue, but because all of, we, we were able to control our, our, our guests, I had a relationship with them. So I was able to talk to them as people going, you know, guys, you can't come, but I know you're gonna come down the line. So let me hold your deposits. I'll hold them as travel credits. Here is my signature. Here is my stamp of honor. You will be able to come back and you will be able to use your um, use your travel credit down the line. And that's what kept that what that's what got us through. Um, and I've now got people coming back. They're using their travel credits. I've got a I've got a spreadsheet of who they are. I've got a contract with them saying this is my my word is my bond. And I've got a but but not only that, it's like. You, you know, you have it on writing that I'm that that this is your 
that you are owed this. And so now they're coming back. I'm now applying their travel credit to their bookings. Um, and uh, everyone's happy. I'm happy. My places are filling up because these are people that were going to book anyway. And they're coming back to me. They're not going back out into the wild and, and booking somebody else. They're, they're coming back to me. Um, and, I, and, and also the loyalty is just you know, I, I'm just showing them so much gratitude. Um, and it's, it's, it's wonderful because they know that they've helped me and my family and it's just such a wonderful situation. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. It is sink or swim with a bunch of, with a bunch of hosts and, and, and you did whatever you could to stay afloat. And that's, that's mm -hmm. amazing. That's inspiring, you know? Um, and you can't be, you, you got creative with it, you know, keeping the deposits and promising them a great trip in the future, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I mean, y'all's, but y'all's lockdown lasts for a while, right? Tokyo? We're still locked out. Well, our borders are technically still shut now. Oh, wow. Um, it, unless, so the people that are coming back now, these are people that are um, either coming for work um, or they're coming, like there's a lot of um, uh, visiting professors that are coming for like summer summer residencies. Um, so that's who I'm booking now. Um, so they've got visas and they're coming in or they're students or they've got student visas or work visas and they're coming in. But but also, so from September onwards, I'm really booking tourists back in. Mm. Now, okay. You said you lost 1.5 mil in three weeks with yep. 25 units and you were expecting a seven figure profit. Yep. Now, I, that this makes me want to come to Japan because I'm like 25 units and doing that. That is crazy. What, what are your most profitable units? So what was your most profitable unit over there? How big was it? Sure. Well, um, I've done the numbers. Um, so again, in 2018, when regulations came in, I really looked at what was, you know, rather than having like a massive portfolio, with each of them owning a little bit of money. I sort of shrunk the portfolio and increased the profit margin for each one. So that's really what I've been focused on. It's not vanity metrics. I don't need a hundred doors. I just need, I need it. I need the profits because the, you know, you, you can't eat, <laughs> you can't eat vanity metrics. You can, but you can eat, eat profits, right? So that's what I was working on, keeping my costs at a certain level and, and really maximizing the juice from each property. So, um, and I found the sweet spot for us is around about the three bedroom unit, the three to five bedrooms. Um, and I can be making usually five X on the costs. That's, that's my, that's my sweet spot. Mm. I like that. I like that term. Vanity met met nah, vanity metrics. Vanity metrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think any of that um, vanity metrics stuff happens on Clubhouse? Really, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Some capity cap cap. Um, yeah. So you're big on Clubhouse too, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, what I do is I try to add value, you know, um, I try to, you know, I try to hang out in spaces where people are interested in learning about hospitality, um, you know, because I'm not, you know, like I think Clubhouse is global. So um, things that are local in terms of local laws, local, um, you know, uh, local attorneys, local, local, local things I can't really assist with, but I try to hang out in rooms where you're talking about how to deliver excellent guest services, how to, how to find um, additional money from understanding your guest and understanding 
where you're at and just try and, you know, because I've got a ton of ideas of, of how to get additional monetization from, um, uh, you know, from your, you know, getting your squeeze, get the, all the juice out of that. So, and mm. sometimes the squeeze is worth the juice. Sometimes it's not. It's deciding so, which one is that. So being real quick, so being, you're catering to a lot of like workers and stuff like that, like yeah. people that are, that live in, in Japan and, and just need a place. Is that, are well, they I Japanese to, or? So before the pandemic, it was all inbound tourists, uh-huh. 99% because the, there was, Airbnb really missed the boat a little bit in terms of educating the, the domestic market um, on the benefit of a short-term house rental. Um, so it was really all of the all of hosts here really focused on the the inbound tourist market um and but what i've had what i what i've done since is i've been working with relocation companies and insurance companies and uh those people to um to look after relocation uh inbound relocation so that's obviously a a pivot that i've had to do um domestically there's when the pandemic first hit, a lot of Japanese expats were called back from wherever they were working. Um, and so I was hosting a lot of families who were coming, the Japanese families who were were perhaps working in China or working in Malaysia or working in various places. And because it was so uncertain with the health, their companies like, you know, Mitsubishi or, you know, one of the big companies would bring the, you know, because they couldn't guarantee health standards in other countries they would bring them back to japan and they would live in japan until that you know things because you you remember what it was like early 2020 no one knew what was going on it was a it was a crazy time so yeah japanese families coming back but um domestic travel is not so big here um there's not a lot of digital nomads it's not like you know there's just not a lot of that this is the most interesting, I think, podcast because you're talking about it from a, the all basically on the other side of the world, how you guys were looking at it. I've never thought about people, hey, we have to depend on the tourism guests to come in and then you have to make that switch when the pandemic comes. That That's amazing. I'm happy you were able to do that. That's a really good learning lesson. Not everyone survived, though. Not mm. like not everyone survived. It was hard. It's been really hard. Mm. And then what are your, like on a short-term rental or Airbnb in Japan and Tokyo, what are your expenses over there? Like, what do you guys have proper insurance? What are your expenses? Sure. Well, um, proper doesn't work here. So I have my own, um, it's, so if I, if I drop into Japanese, I apologize. So minpaku is short-term rental in Japanese. So um, I have my own minpaku insurance policies so i had to negotiate with an insurance company and actually create a product for me um because i don't you know like i said i do not rely on the air cover i don't rely on that it's like i want to have my own cover um and expenses utilities are quite high here i mean they're they're quite high everywhere with short-term rentals because you know there's not a lot of internet there's not a lot of um iot internet of things so um smart home things especially in my houses just don't happen so each room has its own air conditioner and um and people leave them on they you know there's no central heating here so i can't control that outside so i find utilities are quite high um electricity um costs um obviously yeah utilities wear and tear 
Um, I don't have, um, you know, we don't have yards. So, well, not in Tokyo anyway. So there's no kind of outside maintenance um, that needs doing. Um, it's mainly just wear and tear on the inside and utilities and consumables, of course, you know, having, having nice products inside. Now, so, oh, go ahead. So how do you, um, this, I was going to take us off topic. You go ahead. You go ahead, Mike. You, you're on topic. Oh yeah, yeah. You you said you 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 created your own in you worked with someone to create your own insurance. Now, what does that insurance entail? Do you get like loss of income if something happens? How did you kind of structure that? No, unfortunately not. It was after the pandemic hit that we went, oh, maybe I should have got an like a <laughs> like a business protection insurance. But no, it's mainly personal liability. Um, you know, so if someone hurts themselves, I want to be able to obviously take care of them um, and take care of myself. Um, damage. Um, I've obviously the the house, it's like the, the building has insurance, which is, you know, if it burns down, but there's all the contents. Um, and also when you've got, uh, so a usual, um, a usual insurance policy doesn't allow for different people moving in and out. So I had to have my insurance policy written to, to make sure that if there was any problems, that the, the insurance company was not going to say, well, you didn't specify that it was going to be like a hotel, you know, like um, uh, normally when you have a house insurance, you specify who is it that's living in the house. Mm -hmm. So, um, but because you've got different people moving in and out, the, the insurance company would possibly see that as a way that they could not pay out a claim. And I wanted to have it written down that they knew that it was, that it was going to be different people uh, that were staying in the property. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'll so, say, so, oh, go, ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so being the, okay. Being the places are so small. How do you, how do you design them? You know, with that in mind. That's a great question, Steve. Um, I'm not a designer. Like I, First to admit, I'm not a, I'm not a, like an interior designer, but what, where I think, whenever I'm starting with a house, I always think, how is someone going to be using the space and how is my ideal guest going to be using the space? So they're tourists, they're coming in, they've got luggage. They need to have a straight shot through from the front door through to where they're going to be dropping their luggage. I need to make sure that there's no furniture that's going to be banged or dinged on the way through to dropping their luggage. Um, in Japan, everyone takes off their shoes at the front door. Um, I've got to make sure that that's clearly signed, that that's clearly, that it's easy for people. You just make it easy. Make people, make it easy for them to do the right thing. Um, and also make it easy so that there's not a lot of wear and tear. Uh, so that's, that's where I start. And I look at flow. Um, if there's kids, um, it, you know, I'm planning for children. So when I'm planning a dining area, I've got to make sure that I have chairs with backs on them uh, and not sort of fancy modern stool things, right? Because when you're trying to feed a kid and you don't have a high chair, um, or we have high chairs, but, but again, storage is an issue. So um, I, I have the tool so that people can actually feed their kids at the dining table rather than needing a high chair. So, um, and then with cribs, I, I, have a, um, I have pack and play cribs so they can go and I have places where they can go in different parts of the house. So um, I know a lot of hosts wanna have heads in bed, so many people, but 
Um, even if I could fit more beds in, I don't. I like to leave space um, so that you can have a crib, like a pack and play crib in different rooms so that people have choices about where they're, where they're going to sleep, where their kid's going to sleep. Um, so I really just put the skin on of my ideal guests and really think about how they're going to be living there um, and and does, that's where I start my design. And then the last thing I think about is obviously is the uh, is the color palette because you know like I said I'm not a designer. I just like oh that looks good or does that look good? So <laughs> thinking about the flow, that all about the flow. Feng Shui. Yes. You said something in there. <laughs> you said there's no storage area. Now you may be able to. Oh, go go ahead go, go ahead on that because I. There is a little storage area. So one of my houses, one actually my favourite house, I call it the pencil house. It is 2.5 metres wide. So in yards, that's about three yards wide. Okay. Ooh. So that's, how, sorry, you lose me. So yeah, that's how wide this house is. And it the reason is, is because it's on, it's basically been subdivided from a driveway. And they, these houses are popping up all over Tokyo. And they're fun. They're really cool. I wouldn't want to live in them full time. But as a short term rental, it really makes it fun. But I make sure but there is, there's two closets. Um, so uh, and some of those actually have some, you know, has the vacuum cleaner and you know, that type of thing in there. So we get a lot of people who come in for skiing because Japan's snow is is just insane. Um, the powder snow is just it's famous all over the world. So we get a lot of people who come in and they want to ski, but I make sure that I speak to them beforehand and go, you know, guys, are you carrying ski gear? If you are, then you cannot bring it to the house. Here is a solution. It's not like I say, you can't do this. It's like, well, here is a solution that'll solve your problem. It'll solve mine as well. And I give them the tools for success. So um, in Japan, there is fantastic, uh, they call it takubin, which is uh, courier, like private courier services. And they're cheap, they're everywhere, and they deliver door to door. And they, you can tell them, there's one thing I love about Japan. If you, if you specify, I want my luggage delivered to my ski place the morning of this date, it will be there 100%. You can guarantee, you know, you can go to the bank on that. It's like, it's, nice. it's accurate. So explaining that this is a, this is a resource at your, your disposal and this is how to do it. I see as a service to my guests, my guests love it that they, they, that, you know, they can feel like they're an expert. Um, and also it means that they don't have to step over bags in the middle of the middle of the pencil house. Mm. Now, the reason I was asking about storage is because like, how do you, so where do you keep like your supply closet? Is it somewhere off site? Because the reason why I'm asking is because I'm currently remodeling a whole house and there's no storage space. I'm like, are we going to have to build a shed? How do you handle that? Have a look. This is my storage shed. <laughs> nice. Can you see? Yeah. <laughs> this is in my house. So oh. um, Yeah. So that's my house. So this is my storage shed. My cleaners have access to my house um, and they can come and go. This is where we keep all the, the big supplies. Let me just turn that off. It's a bit distracting. Um, so mm -hmm. in the house, obviously under the sink, um, under the sink, and usually we have a, a storage, um, like a supply closet that's locked, mm -hmm. um, you know, part of the game. You have to keep it locked uh, with cleaning products, like the, the additional stuff. Obviously, we have enough out for the guests. 
Um, sheets and towels um, go under the bed, under the bed that they belong in. Um, again, Japan is really designed for lack of storage. So we have storage bins that are designed to go under the bed and they have a lock on them so that when the cleaners come, they can pull out the, the box from under the bed. They know which, which linen goes on. The linen that's on there goes straight to the wash and, uh, and they do it that way. So yeah, you, you can be creative with storage. You don't necessarily have, I mean, I, I dream about having a, a home edit, you know, pantry. Um, I like, it's porn for me. I'd like, I watch it on Netflix, <laughs> but it's just Anti not porn. possible. It's, yeah. House porn is, it's just not possible for us. So, you know, we have creative and there's whole stores here dedicated to finding storage solutions. Um, uh, and it's usually out of, it's usually tucked out of the way. Nice. Now the um, pods, you're familiar with the pods over there? The pods that that people these like little like coffin things that they sleep in <laughs> they, oh, they the rent. capsule hotels yeah the capsule hotels <laughs> have you ever stayed in one of those well see they've been around forever um this is you know this is an entrepreneurial success story which indulge me for a second so these capsule hotels have been around for a long time they were stink they used to be stinky and smelly and it was where um salary men used to just crash when they when they got too drunk to catch the train home and <laughs> and it was usually only men and they were just cheap 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 so i mean i'm talking like 10 bucks a night 15 dollars a night um and there would be like a communal a, a communal bathroom and a communal shower room, and you would just sleep in this little tube. And they were just nasty, nasty places. Mm. Um, but then someone, some clever marketer, thought, "Well, geez, we can turn this into a like a bucket list item." So, uh, you know, so they got in, interior architects, interior designers, and some you know some really slick lighting and some fantastic social media and some some got some really good articles written and now the prices are really high um it's on a it's on the bucket list for a lot of tourists like i want to go and stay in a capsule um and now they're like really you know because they're like space agey now you've got like you can have like there's little tvs and there's like little you know speakers and and uh they're really fancy but again they're just a tube <laughs> just a tube. So it's really just an so someone was very, very clever in their rebranding and their marketing, and it's just genius. I, I like as a as an entrepreneur, I'd like well done. I so, think that's brilliant. So, so a tall person couldn't stay in one of those. Sorry? A tall person couldn't stay in one of those. Um, they are pretty long. Um I've never stayed in one. Um, I'm a bit claustrophobic. I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't do what it. Are, what are they like two, two feet high or? Um, yeah, I think if you've ever stayed in a boat, they're like a bunk bed on a boat. Like, mm. you know, so you wouldn't, you couldn't sit up in a hurry. You can't sit up. <laughs> you can't sit up in them. No, they're like, when you're lying down, you probably, I don't know. You've probably got another like foot and a half on top of your nose. If you're lying down. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It's cool how they turned it into something like, uh, you know, a bucket list genius. item. 
genius genius marketing because you know like how much like the number of people that you can put and what they did was very clever as well is that they made them like you know there's a women's only floor um and they've got a men's only floor as well so because you know um you don't want you don't want sort of some creepy because there's there's a lot of men who stay there because it's salary men yeah Mm. oh so now on your side, are you still arbitraging or have you switched over to the ownership side? Um, I'm, I'm all about what I, what can I make and what, what numbers make sense. So um, rather than saying, oh, I'm all arbitrage or oh, I'm all co-hosting. So I do a bit of column A and a bit of column B. So um, obviously I have some arbitrage places that I love that I've had, like the pencil house I've had for eight years. I just, I just love it so much. And I, and I, because it's so novel, um, I can make a ton of money on it and uh, and it's in a great location. So that's definitely one that I'm keeping on the arbitrage side. Um, I was ve- I, I pat the back of my former self that I was clever enough to build a house and uh, buy a house and build a house where I actually have a sec- I have an apartment built in. So um, I'm house hacking. So that's nice. one of my units. Um, and, um, and then also I work with a lot of people who have second houses. So these are people who are not like digital nomads. They, they have a house here. They might have a house in, in the U S or wherever. And so, um, they own the house when they come to town, they use their own house and then I manage it for them when they're not there. And that's, that's a co-hosting profit sharing model. Um, and that's obviously fantastic so I do a bit of I do a bit of everything and there are some that I only sublet for this particular you know while people are away so it's 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 whatever I think is going to make sense for who I can sell it to versatile versatile yeah and also yeah. profit wise like I said I'm not interested I'm not like is the squeeze worth the juice you know I've got I do have to make those decisions I've had I've turned down deals where it just you know, yeah, I could make a little bit of money on it. Is it worth my time? Yeah, maybe not so much. So I like that mentality because over in the States, everyone's about just get more, get more, get more. And then you end up in a situation like in one of the markets I'm in Houston, you just have everyone throwing up these units. Now that your place is oversaturated, bad operators. I like how you have that mentality of let yeah. me, is the juice worth the squeeze? I mean, not try to get everything. Let me get the right one that works. Right. No. Well, also you're headed for burnout as well. Like, you know, hospitality burnout is real. Like looking after people, looking after people is a big responsibility and it's hard. I, it's not passive. And, you know, it, it, you're wearing all the hats, you're chief everything officer. Like you're looking after guests, you're looking after the owners or you're looking after your, your landlords and trying to get deals. It's just too much. So sometimes you've just got to knuckle down and like really focus on giving, giving good hospitality because the guests are the ones that are paying you. So if you're not looking after your guests, then, then you know, like, yeah, you've got to decide what's, what's, uh, what's a good use of your time like that the chief everything officer, chief everything officer. <laughs> now, now do, you, do you put karaoke machines in every unit <laughs> no no we have noise issues right we have uh, noise issues because again you can touch the touch the next door neighbor's wall with your when you lean out the window so yeah. no carry but the thing is you don't need that stuff because um tokyo is such a vibrant city you know and where I where I where I pick my places, you know, 
if you want to go out and sing karaoke, there's a place five minutes down the road, you can go and do it. Um, and you know, you can go and get the best Japanese room from the local, the, you know, the local, uh, um, sorry, I've, yakitori, like, I'm sorry, I was trying to think of the English then, um, you know, the, the, the local restaurant people down the road. And, and I, you know, you can do all these things. Um, you don't really have to um, be totally engaged within the house, like go out and enjoy yourself and then come back and I'll, you know, make sure that you've, you know, you've got a, a, a little piece of quiet when you come home. Now, now one of the cool things, because, you know, I watched the Olympics and the Tokyo Olympics on TV and I was brokenhearted that the pandemic was going on. They didn't have none, nobody could go, you know, enjoy the Olympics except for the people that were there, right? Um, yep. the, the athletes were watching them, so the other athletes. Anyway, so, but they were doing little, little like informative commercials in between, you know, in between the, 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 the events. And one of, one of those guys was walking through these little like back alleys and say, these are these, he just opens this curtain. There's a little restaurant there. He goes, you just walk into these, there was a word for these little restaurants where you just walk in and you sit down and, and he says, and you tell them, uh, surprise me or something like that. You tell them something in Jap Japanese and then they serve you some kind of dish. It's just like phenomenal. Yep. Yep. That's, and that's a real thing. It's not like, uh, so I used to, before I was doing short-term rental, my other side hustle was I had a bar. I owned a bar oh, and, wow. um, and in one of these little alleys and, um, yeah, they, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was very interesting, but yeah, these places are tiny. They fit, they fit six people and uh, you go there because the, the bartender is amusing or tells a good story or makes you some really interesting octopus balls or something. So, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's all beer and whiskey. It's all beer and whiskey and uh, something called show. My favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Beer, whiskey, and shochu is basically gut rot. You know, it's like it's like the white liquor that's fermented <laughs> rice or something, and it's just like whoa. What about sake? Yeah. Um, nihonshu sake. Um, sake actually is the word for all alcohol, um, which oh. is interesting. And uh, the sake that you're you're talking about, like it's called nihonshu, uh, Japanese alcohol, Japanese uh, alcohol, and you can go to tasting bars it's really quite good now you can there's hot and there's cold and there's ones that you have with fish and there's ones that you have with like you know with like beer nuts <laughs> there's, there's one for every occasion um and uh i you know when you're having japanese food um it's it's really great and in summer cold 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 sake is just got is great it's really good oh nice well and one more question on the food because i I'm sorry. yeah go for it i'm all, all about food one of my favorite uh, movies is, is is on Netflix. Uh, Hero Dreams of Sushi. You seen that? Hero Dreams. Uh, of... yeah. Uh, is that the one? No. Hero. Oh uh, yes, whatever yes, yes, yes. Hero, yeah. Hero. So he's the uh, he's the funny little the funny little um uh, man that does the the really expensive uh, sashimi, right? Yeah, it's a little bitty restaurant. Does it says yeah. the sashimi, sushis, whatever. And, mm -hmm. and um, I mean, I remember uh, Obama went there to his little restaurant, and, and the, the the prime minister of Japan at the time. Yep. I mean, and it's like this little, it's like in a, in a bus, the train station or something. It's like in the bottom, it's in, and it's in Tokyo Station, I think. So, but it's really strict. So you have a window of opportunity, like you have to get there on time. And you go there and it's like, have you seen that Seinfeld episode, like the soup Nazi? Oh, yeah. That, no soup for you. It's pretty much the same thing. It's like, you get what they give you. 
Oh, Absolutely. Wow. They give you like, um, like it comes and you're supposed to like, you know, if you don't, if you don't care for it, like you don't like keep that to yourself. But so, mm. um, and uh, it's all about the experience and, and it's like hell expensive. It's like uh, $400 for like three pieces of fish. Or something. Oh <laughs> but, my goodness. It's, it's a bit more than, but, but yeah, these, this is the best cut of fish and it's the, um, and it's, uh, you know infused with love or something i'm not sure but um uh, but uh it you go for the experience and also to tick it off to say yes i've been to this restaurant so mm. but but you can go down the road and get some uh, more affordable sushi yeah, well, sushi's everywhere sushi's <laughs> like i can go to 7-eleven i can go, go to the 7-eleven and get awesome sushi <laughs> but, um, it's it's not you know Japanese food like it's it, the experience is part of it it's not just what you're consuming and that's why that's why you don't get like the mega sets you don't get the you know like you you know you don't supersize things here it's it's because it's not about what you're consuming it's the whole environment of how you're consuming it like the ambiance and the and the everything um and uh you know you, you yeah you don't you don't get a lot of overeating here Mm. yeah no, it sounds like yeah it's pretty expensive for it to do well i mean that that well, like experience right for that yeah for that but you know yeah. i know all, all the best little places that you like the holes in the walls where you can you know have great experiences and you know have a big bowl of like you know amazing pork ramen ramen for you know for ten dollars and um yeah i've got all the tips and tricks so what's mm. Now, this is my last question, like on the short-term rental side, like oh. what's your average price per night? Because it sounds like you get some high-end guests over there. Yeah, it depends on the season, obviously. And I, and I, um, and I love my dynamic pricing. I love it. Because um, when I used to do it myself, and it's just like, nah. But um, so we go anywhere between, you know, $200 a night in low season through to six $700 a night in high season. That is a yeah, it's a big it's a big split. It's a big range. When's your yeah. guys' high season? Is it ski season or no? Interestingly, um, it's uh between the 25th of March and the end of April. Really? That's random, isn't it? Yeah. yeah what's going is I'm trying to think what's going on over there, or is it just people are taking no, vacations? Have, have you heard of have you heard of uh the, the sakura, the cherry trees? No. The, the 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 blossoms the cherry the the cherry blossoms that's when they bloom wow yeah people and the seven hundred dollars yeah, a night for that i got it yeah have you have you ever been to i think um washington dc has has the sakura has the cherry blossoms when they're in bloom when they're in full bloom it is it's transient but it is really really special it's a really special time i got it um, and here in Japan as well, it's where it's where the it's where the school year ends. It's where companies take spring break, um, and it's it's a time of renewal. and um, And the the whole the whole country is electric at that time of year. Right? Um, but you pay for it. <laughs> you pay for it. Um, and uh, the other really peak time is New Year's. So um, anywhere between Christmas Day. And the second of um, January is really, really big here. That's nice. called that's called Oshogatsu, um, and that's where all companies except for shops shut down. And um, and you know, New Year's is like Christmas 
in in a, in a Christian country. So we don't have Christmas. Christmas is a working day. Can you believe that? <laughs> so I heard something crazy. It is yeah. this KFC is like a real popular meal for Christmas oh over there. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> is that like i do not understand why kfc like it's christmas chicken i don't know again some very clever marketer like put this into the 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 local zeitgeist that you have to have chicken at christmas and it's like and so kfc is just massive massive <laughs> wow didn't like, know that. We, we do our own we do our own thing i like i pull my kid I, even though it's a school day i pull my kid out of school it's like you know like uh, we're pretty Japanese in terms of like respectful of, of culture, but you know, Christmas day is kind of special. So we pull our kid out and, um, and we have Christmas proper Christmas lunch and a Turkey and do all that stuff. So, mm, so no KFC for you. No KFC. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put your it's, orders in early it's too, date right? night too. Christmas and Christmas day is not a big thing. Christmas Eve is really big. It's date night. So if you don't have a date for Christmas Eve, like you're a loser. so that's where all the you see all the like the restaurants are all filled with um it's like valentine's day all the restaurants are all filled (laughs) with um couples having having date night nice so uh, uh, an interesting question on your on your question list right here is uh how you can how you can mine your brand for additional revenue what does that mean absolutely so that's knowing who you so where i where i see my brand is three things my guest, my product, and me. So they're the three things that that are my brand. Not like, you know, you start with those three things and then then you have your, you, you know, your brand identity. And that's when, after that, you start bringing in your colors and your logos and whatever. So, you, you know, you start with what, you, what service you're delivering. And when you know that, then you know what problems your guests have and what, how you can monetize. So, like I said, I know my guest is coming in, what problems they have. So I've lined up um, affiliate arrangements with a transportation company, with a food or food walking tour company, actually a couple of them, ticketing for museums and Disney and, and that stuff, um, babysitting services. So I know what problems my guests are likely to have. And so I've built relationships where my guests are happy because this is money they were going to spend anyway. And, um, and I'm happy because they're spending money with me and I can, I'm making a commission. So um, I'm not like, you know, I'm not being grubby selling, selling, selling. It's like, I'm solving a problem. This is a problem that you were going to spend money on anyway. I'm just allowing you to spend it with me. Um, So that's, that's what that is. But, but I help, you know, um, I help, people are all around the world doing it for their market. So what works in my market is going to be very different from, from other people's. Um, and it's, and what I do is I help people like really brainstorm what the product is that they're delivering and who are they delivering it to. And after you've done that, that's when you start looking for opportunities. So um, are you, you know, if you're in an off grid area, do you need to, you know, um, uh, have, have a local experience that, is this like a sustainable farming experience, for example, that you don't deliver the service, but it's likely that your guests are going to be interested in it. Or if you're doing a high-end luxury, do you need to build a relationship with a chef that comes in and does a food experience, for example? So it really does depend on the, those three, those three um, pillars of your brand 
um, knowing those things and then looking for a good a good fit for that. Nice, nice. One more one more question on your list that I, I really, intrigues me because we're all trying to kind of start doing this, you know, and sure. be more successful at it is how to manage direct marketing for your short term rental. Well, Ooh, don't do that. That's a that's a that's another. You have to get me back, Steve. That's another. That's a complete <laughs> other podcast. Um, number one is your customer. You need to own your customer, and so that means owning the email addresses, owning their. Like, obviously, you need permission for that. So, you 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 know, you're building a relationship directly with the customer and not involving the third party OTA. So, even if they've come to you from the OTA first time, they are. You know, you and you pay the commission for Airbnb, fine, they've, they've earned it, they've brought you the customer. But after that customer comes to you, you need to then start nurturing that relationship. And how I do that is obviously I start even before they arrive. So I have their welcome pack, I have all of the tools for them to land and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then after they leave is where I immediately start, you know, sending them, you know, rebooking, retargeting, um, you know, uh, incentives for them to invite their invite their friends who are likely to be my, my ideal guest as well, um, you know, and, and have those guests also spread the word either through social media or through email and, uh, and, and be able to um, nurture, nurture those guests that way as well. Nice. Off-book marketing is really the way to, the rate of create sustainability. It's how I've sustained my business when when the you know when the stuff hit the fan. So, and, and what kind of, what kind of tools do you use to direct market to them? Um, just the the standard. I have a, I have an email list. Um, I have a you know an email like uh, I just use Mailchimp. I don't use anything fancy. Um, and it's just more about giving timely information. So, you know, I let people know about what festivals are on, um, what what is likely to be interesting for them, or you know, if I've discovered a new restaurant that people might be interested, I'll I'll send that through. So I just try to keep it topical um, and personal, and um, you know, I I think people turn off when when they think they're being sold to the whole time. Mm you want to really just try to be of service and try to make their journey to your area easy. And if you keep that as the, as top of mind, then, then it's, then you can, then you can do the email marketing easier. You know, you'd bring up a good point about, you know, setting up these email lists to guests and me and my partner were talking the other day about something we were working on in our business is getting repeat customers. Have you been able to capture, are you like, have you been able to capture how many repeat customers you're receiving? Oh, good question. I haven't. Um, okay. It's more anecdotal. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if they come back through my, my direct booking platform, I, I know that I've got a relationship with them and they've stayed with me before, but most people tell me, to be honest, they say, Oh, look, Hey, do you remember me? I stayed with you in 2017, for example. Um, they'll tell you. And because I try to create my communication to be personal and um and you know to show that i really because i really do care i mean you can't sort of fake that right like i really do care that people are going to have a good time they they remember that um and uh they'll they'll, they respond to that and one thing i noticed about return guests and you guys can weigh in on this they're usually coming back for one specific thing like if you're in a 
specific area. Hey, you're in this area. I want to come back to this area every time. Have you guys noticed maybe on Airbnb, it's hard to get a repeat guest because people are going, they want to see different experiences or I don't know. Have you seen that? Well, I mean, Airbnb want that, right? Yeah. They, they, um, they don't, they don't, even though we're supposed to be, you know, an important part of the important part of the, the ecosphere in Airbnb, they, they, the, the relationship really is between Airbnb and the guest and mm. the, the hosts are really just like, um, they're just the, the, the service provider, but we're expendable. And like, you know, um, they want Airbnb want to show the guests the new and shiny all the time. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're a little bit anonymous in this thing. So, um, and that's, I mean, that's fine. I mean, there are some people that only want to use Airbnb, but then, my guests come back to me because they they like they like my service and they like my hospitality, um, and um, you know you, you can't be everything to everybody, and that's 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 fine. I mean, if you want new and shiny all the time, keep you know keep going through the Airbnb system and and um, and, and getting their their picks and their you know novelty properties. So that's 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 a that's a different type of product, um, but I'm I'm really doubling down on the service I deliver and because uh, I've only got it, you know, my calendar, I've only got 365 days a year that I can fill it. I want to fill it with people who want to be there and who want to pay my prices and are not going to start, you know, who see the value in what I'm doing. Um, whereas, whereas if you're just going on the Airbnb Tinder roller coaster, right, you're really looking at a price thing. So you're what you're wanting maximum novelty for the lowest price. And that's a different mindset. That's a different product than what I'm delivering. So I like how you mm. said that the Airbnb Tinder thing. It is. It totally <laughs> is. You don't know. I mean, it's the internet. You don't know who you're going to get, right? So yeah, I like that. I've never heard Airbnb be compared to Tinder, but that is a good comparison. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a fair, like Ferris wheel, a roller coaster. I don't know. So, <laughs> so what, what, one more, one more question. Uh, and you have really, really great questions that you made. She made a cool sheet, you know, who she is and her bio, and then it has questions to ask her. It's really like awesome. You know, I never had, we never had a guest do that before, but um, so highly recommend having her on your podcast. So what, one thing, um, yeah, the one question I was kind of intrigues me too is the um, how to successfully open and close a short-term rental. No one ever talks about closing them. You know, mm. rents have been going through the roof, and people are starting to have to make decisions. So that's a it's an important question right now. Interesting. I actually wrote a blog post on this um, uh, two years ago. I write a blog as well because um, nice. you know, I'm insane. Um, so, <laughs> but. And I, I'm not really strategic about it. I just write about what I'm feeling at the time. Um, and and I actually can, you know, if you're interested in this, I can actually send you the link um, on on how I on how I close a house. And I actually have a downloadable checklist, so you can download that checklist and actually go through the stages. So first of all, you've got to decide when it is you're closing. Um, put a put a time because. It, put a time put a time there and if you've got bookings you I whenever I close a place I make sure that I do as much as I can to to keep the bookings that are there um, because that's a contract that I've made with somebody in good faith they've booked with me um, it's not their fault that 
but for whatever reason, I have to close that place. So if I can't keep them in the place they're booked, I will do absolutely everything I can to move them to one of my other places or, you know, and what I've done in the past is actually like I'm friends with other hosts in the area. I've moved them to another host that I know is, is going to be a good fit for them. Um, so figure outing the dates and then just working backwards from there. So I have a whole checklist on, on what to do for, um, for stress-free getting rid of a house. So, um, mm. and giving it back to, giving it back to the owner in good condition and, um, and also ethically, ethically, you know, disposing of your, um, of your stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. We, we definitely send us that link, please. Cause I, sure, I would love to read we'll that. Do. I would love to read yes man about costs are never talked about <laughs> this has been a great episode michael what do you think yeah this has been really good i loved learning about tokyo today about the places over there uh if we are traveling abroad we will definitely be reaching out to you tracy and uh staying in one of your tiny little spaces well, <laughs> well the bigger I, try, place. I try to do i try to do the bigger places because you know i i understand that it's it's a little bit of culture shock so i try to make it a soft landing Mm. it's only four of us so we'll be good we will we'll, okay. we'll, we'll be good <laughs> yeah i've seen photos of you and your beautiful family thank you thank you yeah it'll be it'll be i think it'll be worth it so so where can folks find you at tracy i'm look Stephen. i'm such an easy person to find i'm not a woman of mystery um you can find me at tracy northcott consulting on instagram my blog my website um, my hosting business is Tokyo Family Stays, and um, I still I, I still do all the communications there because I just I just love it love it. I choose the jobs that I want to do and outsource the ones that are best done by other people. Mm. And hop on Clubhouse too. Tracy seems to be on there quite a bit, giving uh, some amazing information for free. She's awesome. Given given the time zones though, like the the time zones do make it tricky for me sometimes. Mm. Mm. What time is it right now for you? 1045 a.m. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're about to get ready to go to bed over here. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 actually going to um have lunch with a friend and talk about real estate. So she's a real estate agent. So I'm looking at getting a beach house. Oh, oh congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank awesome. you so much for hopping on. And it's been a pleasure. And we can't wait to go visit your one of your beautiful places over there. Thanks, guys. This has been fun. Yes, it has. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Sayonara. 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 <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a good episode. I was, uh, dang, I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I, I love this podcast because we're able to talk to so many people across the world, mm. like, and how she broke down, like, they were like heavily dependent on people from outside coming in to lose 1.5 million in three weeks. Ooh, Some people that would jump out the window when something like that happened. Yeah, that, that reminds me of that old uh, Chris Rock quote. He was like, man, you think you got some money. He's like, no, what did he say? He said, if uh, Bill Gates woke up with Oprah's money in the morning, he jumped out a window and slit his throat on the way there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, you got to learn how to survive. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was awesome, man. It was crazy how she, you know, dang, she was able to bounce back from that, lowered her portfolio down to five units, but she made sure those five units were high producing units. And I love that strategy because that's what I'm doing in my business, right? I'm getting these 
higher end units up and getting rid of the riffraff, you know? So I love that strategy. You know, now your overhead isn't high because 1.5 million, three weeks. Mm. Ooh, I was like, Ooh, but yeah, <laughs> that, that's a great story though. That was a great bounce back story, man. Man. It's, it's funny. Cause sometimes I'll get a question about the podcast. Hey, anybody ever go on that, you know, that's failing at Airbnb or this and that. And that's the, cause I'm like, no, I mean, our show is about people that persevere, you know, people that that learn the, the game, do it right. And in situations happen, COVID affected everybody. It did. And so it shook out a lot of people that were doing it before COVID. And the ones that are still coming on our show, we're able to get through it and, and still thrive, you know? Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I, I know. I love it. And, and that's then that, that I made a reel the other day and I said, uh, when I would look for in a mentor. And that's one thing I said, I was like, man, if they didn't survive COVID or they did, weren't hosting during COVID, they don't really know the seasons of short-term rentals, man. And I said, I think our best podcast, our best podcasts were during COVID because everybody was scrambling and becoming creative and it opened up the space and, you know, the survivors were there, man. And that, that was the cool part about the, the pandemic over here. It wasn't a good thing, but it, it allowed people to use their creativity. Murphy's law, what can go wrong will go wrong. So you got to be prepared for it. For real, man. That but that was a man, that was an awesome cast, man. I I, I kind of want to go check out Japan. That's always been no, on the list. Too. Oh, I got, <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Okinawa, but yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Cool, man. Another great episode. Live let thrive at gmail.com. Yeah, hit us up, live let thrive at gmail.com. Follow us on IG. I'm trying to do reels daily. And uh, yeah, follow us, send us an email, enjoy our Facebook group. Get on that Facebook group. We will be uh, posting updates uh, with a lot of good talk in there. And we're posting updates about our next meetup, which yeah. is going to be in Q3. So uh, come kick come, it with us. Come to Dallas, everybody. Every, man, these meetups are freaking fire, dude. Everybody's having so much fun at these things. We get, you know, there's great information from from us, us and other people there interacting with us. And and, and there's, some um, you know, food and drink a drink, you know, get a little buzz going. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just it's so much fun, man. These things are uh, we're, we're needing bigger and bigger venues. You know, it's pretty soon we're going to rent out like an auditorium or something like that. Man. It's, getting, have to. It's, it's getting crazy. But yeah, come to town. Come to Dallas. Come have fun in Dallas with us we'll hold a we'll save a place for you yeah and thank y'all for everyone who is coming out thank y'all for coming and uh thank y'all for continuing to support the podcast and we are out peace later thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of live let thrive be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of airbnb and all that entails Bye bye